the same music? I know. I like we need to. It's just the buttons already there. Okay. You know what I mean? So hey, <laughs> welcome back to Rhythms of Grace. Uh, uh, my name is Nate. I'm the executive pastor at Grace Church, and I'm here with Sung Kim, who is the lead pastor of Grace Church. And uh, we are kind of in between podcast seasons right now. But that's on purpose. I mean, one of the things that we talked about when we were beginning this podcast in the first place was how much um, content is like left on the cutting room floor from a week from week to week when you're crafting a sermon. When you and the teaching team are putting sermons together to be preached live, you know, uh, you know, on location, you just there isn't enough time to communicate everything. And so what we want to do actually this Lenten season is take a deeper dive into our, uh, topically our sermon series. We're not necessarily following it week by week, right? Um, but why don't you tell us what sermon series we're in uh, and, and what we're going to talk about. Yep. So we're in a series uh, in, through the book of Job. And actually during the next six weeks at Grace, we'll be co- going through half the book of Job. And it's a series called Out of the Ashes. And so I I think as we explore Job, people just think it's just about suffering. But I think you'll be surprised by the variety of topics and themes and experiences that that are addressed in this book. Mm. Not only in your current season, but things that may come up in the future and even things that you've experienced in the past. So things like friendship, things like, I mean, just all sorts of things that I, I think will be surprising, but always will point us to the promise of God. That's good. Fun fact about this uh, sermon series is that the bumper video for the series was actually shot in my workshop. <laughs> Jacob, our videographer, I mean, we just burned a bunch of stuff on the floor. So when you see the bumper video, just understand it was, I was in a room filled with smoke and ash. It was amazing. <laughs> so, um, so we're talking about, we're ta- not just about suffering, but today we're going to f- lean into that a little bit. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, let me just start off with just uh, giving a little intro about Job. I mean, I do that in the sermon, but Job will raise a lot of different questions that we need to wrestle with. Not just suffering, but kind of like, what kind of world do we live in? Right. Where like, for example, where a global pandemic is ravishing millions of lives. And not only that, but how do we explain that not from a necessarily a scientific or a health perspective, but from a cosmic perspective and from a faith perspective? And if that's the world we live in, what kind of God runs this world? Mm. I mean, those are some really raw, visceral questions. And then in the midst of that, in light of that, what kind of person should I become? Yeah. And what kind of community should we be as a church or as friends or as family members? Like these are really important questions. And so in the sermon, I say about like how God gives us a whole story and not just a little quote, because yeah. these are questions that you can't just give a short 30 minute answer to. Right. You need to walk through in conversation with others and in reflection and so that, that's the one thing I really love about this book. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to, to just be aware that even we don't have to, so we're, we're going to preach on it for six weeks. Yeah. You and I are going to talk about it for 20, 30 minutes. That still is, pro- for someone who's in the midst of suffering, that still isn't going to feel like enough. No. It's still going to feel like Pat answers. So, you know, buyer beware. Like you, <laughs> might, you still might end this feeling like that didn't nearly begin to address the suffering that I'm feeling. And that's... That's just how it's going to be. Yeah, and I think just what what you're saying, too, really to understand Job is not a comprehensive explanation for suffering. 
Mm. It's just not. If, if you think you're going to read the book of Job and you're going to have all your answers, it, that's not what it does. But rather what it does is it provides a concrete expression of a person who has suffered. Yeah. And, and I think that reminds us, and this is a good reminder for all of us, especially for the, the nerdy intellectual types, the problem of evil and suffering is never merely philosophical. Yeah. It is always deeply, deeply personal. And so even when, when people ask about the problem of suffering, I, I, I often ask, what is the question behind this question? Because there is a story behind that question. Always. Always. Yeah, always. And so you may be listening and you may be suffering right now, maybe even perhaps uh, at a very deep level, or maybe you're still wrestling with events that have happened and you're still trying to process that, or maybe you're in the midst of healing. And I think these are the these are questions that aren't going to go away, and some of these questions are really really painful. And I think for us going through this book and uh, talking about this, it will help us not only face suffering, but um, as other people in your life face suffering, it will help you become a kinder, more compassionate friend. Yeah. You know, I had, uh, I had an experience where kind of like the philosophical and physical experiences of suffering collided. Um, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before, but my oldest son was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, um, probably like four or five years ago at this point. Uh, and it was, it shook our world because at the beginning we didn't really know how serious it was as they were trying to diagnose it. We didn't know if it meant he was going to need, um, transplants for organs that have been damaged. We didn't know, we didn't know any of that stuff. And so we're kind of in this spot of kind of intense mental anguish, because as any parent will tell you, suffering in your children is 10 times worse than your personal suffering, you know? Uh, And there's nothing we could do. It was like internal. It was his body fighting his body. Like there's nothing. And at the same time, I remember reading in the news that there was some teenager that had shot up his high school in Florida. And so even though like theologically, I know that all life is like sacred and like God loves everyone the same and suffering isn't a result of our sins. I literally prayed to God, like, God, why didn't you give that dude, you know, why didn't you curse him with this illness instead of my son? Who's like, you know, loving and generous and kind and all these things. And, and all of my philosophy around suffering, just, it went right out the window as soon as I had like a personal experience, you know, so reconciling those two things is, is difficult. And I mean, like you said in the sermon, there just isn't an easy answer to bring those two sides together, but that's kind of where we want to focus. Yeah. And again, Job echoes exactly what you're saying. I'm going to read a verse here in Job. um, And and when I read this, it just so echoed with uh, just different feelings at different seasons of my life. This is Job 21, verse 7 through 9. He says, Why do the wicked prosper, growing old and powerful? They live to see their children grow up and settle down, and they enjoy their grandchildren. Their homes are safe from every fear, and God does not punish them. Mm. And I I just think of your story about Gabe, and you're like... Why did why didn't he the the boy in Florida yeah. get this and why why my son yeah right and again this is why I think Job is such a classic not just from a biblical perspective but even literary even for people who aren't believers because it echoes so much of the sentiments and affections of yeah. our hearts I mean one of the things that came out of that for me was was really 
understanding, and I think this is represented in the book of Job, that God was not alarmed by my, sort of my anger or my questions, right? right? You know, and and I, I think that sometimes in the midst of our suffering, if we're trying to stay like too holy, we end up not being honest, right. you know, or, or we move it into like a deeply sort of philosophical, like nature of God, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, actually, maybe you're just angry or frustrated or upset or worried or scared. And if you're not communicating those motions, emotions in the midst of your suffering, you're, you're just, you're kind of never going to find your way through it. But I do love that about Job that he's like saying straight up, like, God, well, like, what the heck are you doing right now? You <laughs> yeah. know? Right. And I think he wrestles with the big questions of life. And the thing that's really great is he doesn't do it in a classroom or in a lecture or in a debate, but he does it in a way that most of us do uh, wrestle with the big questions of life. And that is through experience and through conversations with yeah. other people. Yeah. And I think the one thing that we have to remember even, uh, and we see this in the book of Job, is that our experiences are valid, mm. but they never have the last word, Yeah, right? Uh, we know God has the last word. And so, it, it, you know, on one hand, we, we have to affirm uh, the, as valid the feelings and emotions that, and experiences that we go through. Yeah, And it, like you were saying at the same time, uh, how do you how do you temper that under the grander narrative of what God says? Yeah, yeah, I uh, I think that exact point has been one of the places where I found I know I talk about this a lot, but where I found a therapist to be helpful because it's a conversation where it's a place where I can just talk my way through my issues and my suffering and my fears and my concerns. So that sort of validates those things you said, like those are true. You really feel that way. You really think that way. You're really experiencing this, but at least a good therapist for me also offers a little bit of a perspective on, well, this isn't going to be forever, let's say, or what are you going to do next? You know, kind of helps me. And I, I have a, I have a therapist who uh, is a follower of Jesus. And I think that that has been really helpful in my case, although not, required, not necessary, Um, but has helped me sort of bridge some of those gaps that we're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's a good point because one of the issues that's raised in the book of Job is the gap between our faith, uh, that is what we believe to be true because of scripture, God's word, and and what God says. So the gap between our faith and and our experience, Mm -hmm. which in certain seasons of life seem to contradict everything that yeah. we know to be true <laughs> right right they our experience doesn't line up with our faith and what we believe and so how do we navigate those issues in fact i think when i've had friends or people walk away from the faith it's because they cannot reconcile right. that gap right so how do we begin to work our way through that. I mean, again, this is going to be a, a multi-week conversation yeah. and there aren't easy answers, but how do we begin to, to bridge that gap? Well, I, I think first one is recognizing that uh, easy answers really don't help. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that's, that's such a critical first step, right? <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. Because Job's friends, they do their best to provide answers and solutions for Job and they apply like certain simple principles based on their understanding of the Hebrew scriptures to Job's situation, but they just don't help. And, and, and the thing that's really interesting is uh, much of what they actually say is challenged by God himself at the very end of the book, 
which is surprising because some of the things that they say, some of their arguments sound like some of the things that we say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like even in this church, it's like, well, the, the, you're going through this. Uh, well, w- what sin is there in your life? Yeah. I mean, it sounds very moral, very spiritual, but it's, and this is something we'll talk about in like week five of this series, uh, but it's, it's a half truth. Yeah. And it's actually really, really dangerous. Yeah. And I mean, the Bible does talk about, you know, God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. But that, but that's not, the, like you're saying, that's not the only thing. There is also the truth that suffering exists apart from sort of consequence. Yeah. And just to keep that in mind. And I think it's helpful to remember that, that no easy answers applies to yourself and it applies to other people. Yeah. You know, just to just to understand that that is the starting place affords sort of the ability to nuance all of the conversations and allow for emotions and kind of like walk through it with somebody. Yeah. And I think like you were saying, too, it's not just easy answers that you might give to other people, but it's it's even your own self-talk. Yeah, absolutely. Right? A lot of times we can be very hard on ourselves and, and, and or we may say things to this to other people or even to ourselves, like, well, time heals all wounds, which is really a stupid statement. Yeah. It's a glib statement, kind yeah. of saying like, oh, just give it enough time and that pain will go away. Right. And like, well, it, it might go away with the proper healing and conversation, and, 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 but it could embed itself even further in yeah. your heart. I mean, the truth is that time will change all wounds, you know, <laughs> and, and if, you, if you're not sort of actively healing them, it can change it into something much, much worse. Yeah. And, and the thing that I, uh, again, I'm, I, we're going to keep going back to the book of Job. The, the thing that it helps us, well, it's helped me correct some really bad theology, theology that may have been explicitly taught or just implicitly kind of caught growing up in church. It's also taught me how to care for others and how to give a listening ear, especially when it's not convenient. And how to cling to hope, even when it seems hopeless. And so I, I think, one, not just... Uh, relying on simple answers, but also like, I I think not being afraid to ask hard questions Uh, because when we do, we, we uh, like, and and you see this throughout the book of Job, he asks questions with just a, a, an utter sense of honesty, but it's also tempered with a sense of humility, recognizing that he doesn't see everything. Uh, He doesn't see things clearly. He doesn't have the full picture he realizes that he's not God. At the same time, he, he's not afraid to ask really bold questions. Yeah, that's, that's, a, helpful one. that's a helpful one to remember because it, it starts to strike it. I mean, what these two steps so far seem to have in common is an element of sort of like self-honesty. You know, that, that if, if you, easy answers are often not full answers, like you said, right? And if you're going to be honest with yourself, there's other layers or other variables or other factors that are kind of in the mix. And the same thing is true with hard questions. If you're unwilling to ask a hard question, it's probably because you're not willing to be as honest as perhaps you need to be or you should be. And so, you know, both of those things kind of strike at like, look, let's just put this out there. Let's like talk about it. Let's be honest with what we're feeling and experiencing and trust that God is big enough and that hopefully our relationships are strong enough to navigate that together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, what would be a, a thought from you, Nate, about like how do you navigate that gap between your faith 
and when that doesn't line up with experience. What, if, what are some things that you have utilized or how, have you, how has your faith helped you through that? Yeah, so this is, this is close to what you're asking, but relevant, um, which is that, again, if we go back to the story of my oldest son's diagnosis, uh, I, it did, it felt unfair. It felt unfair that he was kind of like being stuck with a life of suffering because it wasn't just going to get better. You know, like this was the rest of his life that he was going to have to live with this autoimmune disease. Um, and it felt unfair. But, but what I started to realize was that while I want, in some ways I wanted him to experience no pain and no suffering, what I really wanted for him was to, to be resilient I wanted him to grow up as a person with grit and, and compassion and, and a depth of character. And those things don't really come apart from suffering. So there's, a, so there's again, if we talk about being uh, allowing for nuance in different levels, there's like kind of this surface faith that is like God is like our protector and all those things. But there's also the truth that God on a deeper level is trying to make us into something extraordinary. And that just doesn't come apart from suffering in many, well, there are things that you can't experience apart from suffering. So while somebody could be extraordinary apart from suffering, there are aspects of, of their character that aren't going to form in the same way that someone who has suffered will. So that, you know, I mean, again, and I'm Irish, so we kind of expect bad <laughs> things to happen, right? But in a little bit, I'm like, no, suffering is a way that God speaks, that's man that that is like a that's a hard that's a hard place to land. It's a hard place to land, but landing there opens up a sort of world of um opportunity and sort of like deeper truth in some ways. So that's one way I do it. I just expect bad no, expect bad <laughs> things to happen. No, I, I try to remember that there is a deeper truth as well that I that I want to keep in mind. I mean, on one hand, that message sucks. It does, right? <laughs> like we wish uh, sorry, that everyone. wasn't true. <laughs> yeah. Like I wish that I could grow the kind of character uh, while living in comfort yeah. and ease. But it's proven over and over again that it's, it's just so true. That, and In fact, I, I would even say too, like the number one catalyst for growth isn't Bible study, isn't prayer, mm isn't going to church and people are like, what, what do you mean? It's suffering. Yeah. That, that will help you grow more than anything else. Oh, man, <laughs> nobody's going to want to come to church anymore. Son. <laughs> but uh, again, I, I know it has, it's been, it's been true. I mean, if we talk, man, I don't, I, I guess in some ways I hate that we keep coming back to this, but in my own struggles with mental health, one of the things that I missed as I came out of those seasons was the proximity to God that I felt. Mm. In some ways, I was so desperate. And I know I've said this on the podcast before, but I was so desperate that I had no option but to be in front of God on a regular basis. I had no option but to just pour my heart out to him over and over and over again. And as I started to feel better or, you know, whatever, um, as circumstances changed, I would find myself actually missing that. Like right. most of the time, it's nice that I'm not feeling the way that I felt. But man, those times with God were extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like there's a gift in desperation. There is. Yeah, there is. There's an urgency, there's a passion, there's a dependency that, that is created in your heart that just ease and luxury does not create yeah. those conditions. Yeah, I think, I think it was Tolkien who 
then was quoted by Stephen Colbert, but said something along the lines of like, what punishments of God are not gifts? Mm-hmm. And, and it, it strikes at the truth that something happens in, in hard times, in suffering, that builds a foundation upon which better things or different things can, can grow um, that wouldn't that wouldn't grow if, if it wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one last thing that I, I will say that I think will help has helped me, and I'm going to refer to a novel that I read about. Um, I don't remember the name of the novel, but it portrays a young girl in occupied France during World War II where she loses her sight. Okay. Um, and, and her father, who's concerned that she knows how to move about the town that they live in builds her this middle little this little miniature model of the entire town. Yeah. It's uh the novel's called All the Light We Cannot See. <laughs> have you it, read it? I have read it. You, I have read it. You've yes. read it. Yeah. I'm I'm very well read. No, it's like, it's like the only book I've read this year. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. But I don't I don't I haven't read many novels. But I have read that one. It's good. You've read one more than I have. <laughs> I've not read it. I've read about it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Does he, so you know the story, but you haven't read. I the know novel. The, yeah, exactly. Okay. I, I, nonfiction is my my thing. Uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, in this article where she, they're describing the, the novel, and I was like, oh, this is fascinating. But uh, yeah, so uh, builds this whole miniature of the whole town so that she could feel it with her hands and know know it by heart, so that she can always find her way back home. And when I read that story, I remember thinking like, man, that, that's just like what God does when he gives us his word and his spirit. Mm. We're told to like hide his word in our hearts. We are also uh, called to walk in step with the spirit so that when we face the shadows, when we face confusion, when we face doubt, like that, that is kind of like our guide to bring us back home. And so I think for one, you know, I don't know if there's, if, if, if we're giving this a step three or whatever, or, uh, but that would be the one thing is just like the, the, the desperation in our hearts, uh, bringing us back to God's word, uh, keeping us in step with the spirit. You know, again, this is not an easy answer thing. It's not, we're not going to give you a, a little tweet that you could just go, oh, okay, now, now that helps me understand all my suffering and pain. But really, this is the promise is like God's word and his spirit is with us. And it gives us that model to, to, so that we can find our way back to him. It's a good word, Sung. We, uh, we really hope that you will join us on future episodes as we talk through suffering and the other lessons around suffering that Job uh, teaches us. Thanks so much for being with us for this episode of Rhythms of Grace. <laughs>